Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Monday, October the 26th. And as we get closer and closer to the US election, you're going to hear a lot more about the Supreme Court nomination. Now, we never get fired up about court nominations here in Australia. So we're going to explain why it's such a big deal in America. A very big deal is made of the political backgrounds and political leanings of the judges. Um, they're traditionally talked about as, as you know, a liberal or conservative judges. We'll brief you on that in just a moment. First, Annika joins us to talk through the big stories of the day. The Melbourne Storm have been crowned the NRL premiers after surviving a late surge from Penrith. And the Melbourne Storm have done it again. The mighty Melbourne Storm, they were taking the distance. But they are the kings of rugby league. Yeah, it was an amazing finish this game. Um, the Panthers were behind 26-0 after an unlucky first half, including a length of the field intercept try against them. And then in the second half, they came back with four unanswered tries as it got down to the wire right near the end of the game. Ultimately, though, they didn't get there and the score was 26-20. And a pretty disappointing end to the Panthers' uh, minor premiership season and 17-game winning streak. Yeah, great boost for Melbourne, though. And skipper Cameron Smith dedicated the side's fifth grand final win in 13 years to his embattled state. This big V on my jersey, on our jersey, this is who we're playing for. Everyone back home in Victoria, this one's for you, you beauty! Yeah, you can really hear the emotion in his voice there. Um, It's been a tough year for the Storm players in particular. They've had to be out of Victoria for five months to be part of the NRL, so they've been away from a lot of their friends, their extended families. So I imagine it makes this victory all the sweeter, Annika. Yeah, you could tell that they were really enjoying it and wanting to get home too, despite what's going on in Victoria. Yeah, so I know you, you're desperate to talk about that AFL grand final on Saturday. <laughs> yes, I watched it. I watched both the finals, but me, along with 3.8 million others, tuned into the AFL grand final on Saturday night. Richmond claimed their third premiership in four years, coming back from 22 points down to win by 31. So what did you think of the game? Look, it was a pretty exciting grand final. I don't have any skin in the game. I'm a Collingwood supporter, so it was kind of nice to sit back and watch. And I could do it at a pub, Tom. Oh, very nice. Um, not rubbing it into anyone in Melbourne, by the way. Um, <laughs> Definitely not. So what did you think of the nighttime grand final? Because that was a first for the AFL. Yeah, look, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. It felt a bit weird waiting so long to, you know, have your first drink. Usually this is something... You can go to people's houses or head to the G early in the afternoon. So it's not something I hope they keep. I hope the COVID isn't used for an excuse to continue with the nighttime grand final, but we'll have to see what happens. And speaking of Melbourne, there are now fresh hopes uh, that Premier Dan Andrews will announce big steps out of lockdown as early as today, if not tomorrow. Yeah, look, he'd planned to make the announcement yesterday but he decided to push it back for another 22 to 48 hours and wait for results of a testing blitz on a cluster in the city's north. It's just not appropriate today to have this many swabs in the labs without them being processed yet and a guess or two uh, assume what those results will be. Yeah, this was a big downer for so many uh, Melbourne residents. Uh, The Prime Minister and the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, and the Health Minister, Greg Hunt, put out a statement calling it a profound disappointment Uh, The city's rolling average is now below the benchmark of five and Minister Hunt is worried that it's contact tracing that's the problem here. For the health and mental health of Victorians, unless there was no confidence from the Victorian government in their own contact tracing system, then there's no reason not to move 
to the next level. Yeah, the federal government's not the only uh, group that's not happy. Here's former Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett and two senior business leaders weighing in. He has clearly, totally lost the plot. It's a blow for business. It's a blow for jobs. There is no consistency here. Uh, There is no leadership. There is no hope. Now, an update on that northern suburbs cluster. Overnight, more than 1,000 results came back all negative. The Premier said he did want to wait that little bit longer for those results, so hopefully some good news for Melbourne today. But there is one thing to remember, Tom. They had to get their daily average below five, which they've done, but they Mm. also had to get the number of unknown cases below five, and I think that's why they wanted to wait. So this cluster has now totaled 39 cases, uh, and this has built up over a couple of weeks. Is it fair to say that this is the sort of outbreak that they actually need to get used to dealing with. It's similar to the outbreaks that we've seen in New South Wales. Yeah, and interestingly, Jenny McCarkos, who was the health minister down there but quit, tweeted something very similar over the weekend. She was pretty disappointed they didn't open up on that benchmark. She was part of coming up with that benchmark and said this is something that we're just going to have to live with. Yeah, and that benchmark was seen as really ambitious. So to hit it is amazing. And, you know, Melbournians have worked so hard to get there and then you can understand totally why you know, pushing it back again is such a disappointment. Yeah, it'll be a brave man if he does it again. And a quite disturbing incident in Qatar where 13 Australian women have been forcibly medically examined after a fetus was allegedly found abandoned in an airport bathroom in Doha. Yeah, our federal government has made a formal complaint about this after women, including Australians, were pulled off a Qatar Airways flight headed for Sydney. They were then forced to remove their underwear and were examined without their consent. They were also not told why. Yeah, and it also sounds like someone has gone through a very traumatic situation in that airport, um, as well as the people who were searched without consent, or including, potentially. In a statement issued overnight, uh, DFAT has voiced its concerns with Qatari authorities and is expecting more information soon. An emergency surgery for a critically injured man who was attacked by a shark while spearfishing at a popular part of the Great Barrier Reef in far north Queensland. The 59-year-old was airlifted from Britomart Reef, which is part of the Great Barrier Reef, 140 k's north of Townsville yesterday. Authorities described his injuries as catastrophic. Yeah, hope he can come back because this year seven people have died in shark attacks. Um, Six of those have been unprovoked, meaning the victim wasn't doing anything to lure the shark, like fishing or spearing. Uh, and according to the Australian Shark File, that's the highest number of unprovoked deaths since 1934. So it's been an absolute shocker this year for shark attacks. Yeah, I've said it before, but it does feel like every week we're reading one of these. Yeah. All right, Annika, we'll catch you tomorrow. In a moment, we're going to brief you on the US Supreme Court. Jan, can you remember the last time you got really angry about the appointment of a judge? No. No, it doesn't rile me up. I can't really even name an Australian judge. Yeah, I think most Australians would probably be in that category as well. America, however, completely different. Yeah, the appointment of a Supreme Court judge in America is one of their most intense election issues. And as early as tomorrow, US Congress will vote to approve a new Supreme Court judge. That is Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, so ahead of that, we're going to brief you on why Supreme Court judge appointments are so controversial in the US. Yeah, Michael McInerney is a reporter with Roll Call. That is a Washington, D.C. newspaper. It covers Capitol Hill and U.S. politics. It joins us now. 
How many justices are there on the Supreme Court and how do they get there? Who really chooses the, the judges? So there are nine justices on our Supreme Court and they are nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate, which is the upper chamber of our legislature. Right now, it takes just a simple majority of the Senate to confirm a Supreme Court justice. Okay, in House of Cards, I've just watched season six. Um, spoilers <laughs> for anyone. The president. This is po- how we understand your politics by <laughs> watching House of Cards. Just FYI. Uh, yeah, well, it, it might be closer to Veep, honestly. <laughs> right. No, I haven't watched that yet. Um, anyway, the president's pressured by these Republican business people to appoint a certain judge that they like, but in reality. How does it work? You said the president nominates the judge, but what really goes into that decision? Yeah, so there's a, a kind of dance that goes on behind the scenes of people who are not vetted per se, but there's a sort of, it, it's going to sound darker than it really is, but there's, <laughs> there are people who keep an eye on intellectuals, on attorneys, on lower court judges to see what they're writing about, to see what they're talking about, to see if they think that they would A, be qualified for the Supreme Court or B, sort of have an ideology and an outlook that they might like on the court. Those people are then put into a sort of general consideration. The president sort of chooses from the people who are in general consideration by their side to put them forward for the Supreme Court. It's an incredible amount of power for such a small number of people to have as well. Tell us why this appointment, though, um, the potential appointment to the court of Amy Coney Barrett, why is it particularly controversial? Well, for one thing, she is replacing the late uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was, for one thing, nominated by a Democratic Uh, president, but also seen as very much the political opposite of uh, Amy Coney Barrett. She's considered a a liberal. Um, She uh, started out her legal career crusading for uh, gender equality, uh, the end of uh, gender and sex-based discrimination in the workplace, in government, and especially by Democrats. Judge Amy Coney Barrett is seen as the opposite. Mm. Uh, Another reason why this nomination is considered particularly uh, controversial is because four years ago in the last year of President Barack Obama's term, Justice Antonin Scalia, who was also a conservative, died. And the Republicans who controlled the Senate at the time and still do said that they did not want to uh, consider a nomination before the election. They wanted the American people to you know, quote unquote, choose who should be nominated to the Supreme Court. President Donald Trump won. And a number of those Senate Republicans then said, "Okay, if there's uh, a vacancy in the last year of the president's term, i.e. this year, we won't fill it to be consistent. Well, that went out the window when Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed and Democrats have been calling them on it as a bit of hypocrisy. Here in Australia, our court appointments are not a big deal like they are in America. Um, I noticed a Pew Research poll in America said that Supreme Court appointments are the the third biggest election issue in the US after the economy and healthcare. So why do Supreme Court appointments matter so much in the US? Well, uh, you actually mentioned one reason in particular, healthcare. Um, And it's been a big issue with Judge Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation in particular. 
the big healthcare law that we passed in 2010 that um, set up insurance exchanges uh, mandated that people with uh, pre-existing conditions receive coverage, things like that, is actually uh, facing another challenge. And there's the possibility that the Supreme Court could uh, declare it unconstitutional. And that's just the first of a number of major social and other legal issues that have been litigated in the court um, in the last decade. Uh, there have been two prior times that the Supreme Court has decided on the constitutionality of the law. Uh, five years ago, the court also uh, found that uh, same-sex marriage is constitutional and can't be banned by any state. So these are major issues that are getting decided by the Supreme Court pretty much every year. That makes every single nomination to the court high stakes. Yeah, the other difference here is that you know more about the politics of the judges, uh, whereas here they, they sort of at least appear to be more neutral in their politics. So tell us about the politics of these appointments. A very big deal is made of the political backgrounds and um, political leanings of the judges. Uh, they're traditionally talked about as, as you know, a liberal or conservative judges. And it, a, a marker of that is generally seen as, as who nominated them to the court. So with uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who's up for the Supreme Court now, it would make it a, a six to three majority of justices who were appointed by Republican presidents. So just to kind of get my head around this, because I think, again, Australians are so different to Americans in this regard. It seems like American democracy can be so fragile that with the death of just one person on the Supreme Court, it throws things into so much disarray. That's how important the Supreme Court is to the United States. And have I kind of got that clear or not? It's definitely a, a very high stakes nomination. And part of the reason for that is that not a whole lot of Policymaking is getting done outside of the court these days because Congress isn't doing a whole lot. We haven't amended our constitution, which would sort of change where the goalposts are in decades. And so a lot of the policymaking is done by the executive branch, the president, and all of the agencies and administrative offices and things like that that go along with it. And every single time the president or one of those agencies does something, they end up in court over it. So effectively, a lot of our policy is, for better or for worse, being decided in the courts and ultimately by these justices. Yeah, and it's also the fact that these judges have these jobs for life, right? So a presidency might last four or eight years, but because the president essentially chooses the judge, the impact of that decision can go on for essentially decades. Decades and, and even longer uh, because uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on the court for, I'm going off the top of my head here, but 25, 26 years. On top of that, her decisions are going to be cited for decades going forward. So Justice Amy Coney Barrett, if she's confirmed, isn't just going to impact the way the court moves for the time that she's on it. Her decisions will impact the Supreme Court and all of the lower courts for decades after that. So Amy Coney Barrett's been linked to The Handmaid's Tale. What's that all about? Yeah. Uh, so she, earlier in her career, was involved with a conservative Christian group that has, uh, you know, sort of followed her through 
uh, her career, and, and, and it's been a through line of uh, concern for people who are worried about her views on social issues like uh, same-sex marriage, on abortion, things like that. And it has also served as sort of a, a, a sticking point for conservatives who feel like Judge Barrett is being criticized for her Catholic faith. The other area that the Supreme Court has jurisdiction over or can impact is abortion. And this is another one that feels quite different, the attitudes around abortion in America to Australia. We recently spoke on our podcast to an Aussie journo who travelled through Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, several other states up in the north, sort of east or mid-east of the country. And this is what he said about the conversations on the ground around abortion. If you were to ask me what's the number one thing that, that jumps out when you ask people why they support Trump, it almost always comes down to, to the abortion issue. If they tell you they are pro-life, you, you basically know they're Trump voters and they're locked on and they'll forgive him for pretty much any other atrocity. So, Michael, why is abortion a big deal in this election and how is it linked to the Supreme Court? Well, uh it's a big deal in, in pretty much every election at this point that um, the Republican Party in particular uh, for many years has made a pro-life stance, a key part of its platform. And the reason why a lot of uh, the country places such a huge emphasis on abortion is because there is no constitutional or, or federal statute that really – protects or codifies abortion, it very much rests on a series of Supreme Court decisions stretching back to the 1970s that have established abortion as a, a, a legal right, uh, established what restrictions the federal government and various states can put on it. So every single time that a president is being chosen, the voters are also deciding who is going to decide the Supreme Court justices mm. who will effectively be making federal policy about abortion because Congress sure isn't at this point, the president sure isn't at this point, and we are nowhere near making a constitutional amendment that would address abortion. How have the confirmation hearings gone and where to from here, Monday? Well, uh, Judge Barrett has been seen to have gone through the confirmation hearing well. She didn't answer many questions. She certainly didn't answer any questions about how she would rule on hot button issues like abortion or healthcare. And for better or for worse, that's the barometer of how well you do in a confirmation hearing right now. On Thursday, she was voted out of the Judiciary Committee, which considered her nomination. Uh, it was actually unanimous from Republicans and Democrats boycotted the hearing. So it was a 12-0 vote in her favor. And she's actually slated for a floor vote from the full Senate, which would put her on the court uh, early in the week of October 26th, this week. Wow. So right. it's crunch time. Absolutely. Michael, that was really interesting. Thank you so much for explaining the ins and outs of the Supreme Court in the US. Sure. Thank you for having me. Michael McIgnoni there, a reporter with Roll Call from Washington, D.C. And Jen, it kind of makes me happy our high court judges aren't so famous or controversial. But our high court does make some important decisions like the Marbo land rights case in the 90s or the Lindy Chamberlain appeal. So hugely important, um, but thankfully less politicised. Tomorrow on The Briefing, we're going to take a, a deep dive on the future of the AFL after such a bizarre pandemic year. A Podcast One production.